We're going to talk about a simple subject uh, of touch. Touch. Everybody say touch. Hebrews 4 and 15, the Bible says, For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are yet without sin. So the writer indicates to us there that we have a God that feels what we feel, knows what we know, has experienced everything that you and I have gone through or will go through or you are currently going through. He knows all about it, yet he did it without sin. So I pose a a riddle for you tonight. What is the body's largest organ? Oh, man, you ruined it. I'm just kidding. It's your oldest organ. It's the very first one that was developed while you're growing in your mother's womb. So many would say, oh, the heart, the brain, the lungs. But it is. It is your skin. Your skin is actually an organ with a function that's much more vital to us than being merely a wrapper to hold our body's vital organs together. Now, some wrappers are bigger than others. Uh, Some are taller. Some are shorter. Some wrappers have hair. Some are struggling. I'm on the struggle bus. I'm at that point now where I... I'm looking hair hairstyles for men losing hair. That's a true statement. That's a true statement. <laughs> I said, Lord, what am I going to do? I'm holding on. I, I, I was talking to my sister, my eldest sister. And um, I said, how old were, was dad, my, my father, before he passed when he lost his hair, and she said, I think what I'm told is around 18 or 19. I'm full-blown bald. And all my uncles, my cousins, all the men in my family were bald by 20. Oh, thank you, Lord. I made it to 40. <laughs> the Lord has doubled the blessing in my life. Amen. <laughs> but what does our skin do? It receives and it sends all the vital messages that our body needs. Physical messages of heat and cold, of danger and safety, pain and pleasure, psychological messages of love and care. Our other four senses, our sight, our hearing, our smell, and our taste, they're located in specific parts of the body, but our sense of touch is found from head to toe. Now, I, I, my, my kids all used to think I was crazy a little bit because they said dad my head hurts I'm like come here let me see your hair and they would say what are you going to do and I'd grab the top of their hair and I just pull up a little bit on the top of your hair they gave me the same look that some of you were given and what it does is when I would pull and sometimes I wouldn't wouldn't get the hold right and they go yeah 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 they because I was pulling their hair the sensation of the skin was there but what it does is it would relieve the pressure of a headache now I know some of you are looking at me like I'm I'm silly but it works and you're going to go home the next time and take this tidbit of truth and you're going to stand there and go the ones that have it still let me clarify you're going to pull and it's going to work trust me <laughs> but your sense of touch is found all over. It's in the palms of our hands, it's the fingertips that are the most densely packed with these sensitive tactile receptors. About 100 in each of our fingertips alone. Think about that. Each fingertip has around 100 uh, sensory points on it of feel and to the touch. So the act of touching or being touched signals more accurately than any of our other senses what the quality of our environment is, the quality of our contact, even the quality of our relationships. You know, there, there, there's sometimes I read, uh, a while back that anytime you feel stressed or you feel anxious, you feel nervous, what you really need to do is you need to find someone you love and you care for and you need to hold them for about 15 seconds. And there's something about when you touch somebody you love and you have a connection with, the skin, the body releases releases um, in, in your brain endorphins that tell you it's going to be okay. There is something about the power of a touch. 
Whether it is good or whether it is bad, there is power in the touch. And so from the very beginning of our beginnings, we have been wonderfully and fearfully made to be sensitive, skin sensitive to all of God's creation. Is it any wonder then that from the very beginning of our beginnings that the simple act of tender, caring, human touch has carried with it the profound qualities of love, nurture, security, compassion, affirmation, and healing. There's something that is extraordinary with something that we just don't think about. How many woke up today and go, you know, I just got to touch something to feel alive. We don't think that way. It's just natural. It flows out of us. You get your cup of hot coffee in the morning. As soon as you touch it, you got Folgers in your cup and your lips touch that coffee and it, it awakens you. You don't even think about what's really transpiring in your life by the simple act of touching everything you do. You ever put on a coat and you're like, man, this just doesn't feel right. And you change the shirt or change the the skirt or the pants. You put on, uh, uh, we call them toboggans in North Carolina. Sock hat, I think is what they call them in Indiana. We call them toboggans. You put on a toboggan and it's too small. You're like, I got to get another sock, another toboggan. See, I almost got into Indiana-fied right there and said toboggan or sock hat. But we're, we're finicky when we really think about it at times about touch. There's some that don't like to be touched. There are others that love touch. My son loves, my son, if you, anybody knows my son is around him, and I know Brother Jacob uh, and even Sister Sarah can attest to this. He coaches him in basketball. My son would just walk up randomly and hug you. He loves to hug. He loves to touch. I don't want him to lose that because that's the way God created him to show his appreciation, his respect, his love. It's a way he gets uh, his sensory fulfilled in his life. Now, there are times I'm like, okay, bud, you just hugged me five seconds ago. I love you. And then my, the spirit of God hits me and goes, when he's 18, you're going to want those hugs. And I say, come here. Grab him and I hug him even more. So the sense of touch is so important that scientifically has been proven that infants will die without it. Dr. Ruth Rice has spent years of studying the effect of loving touch on premature infants. She says, and I quote, the loving touch provides psychological benefits which have long-term effects. It is through touch infants communicate with their environment. It is in intensive care. Babies especially need loving touch from their caregivers to form positive, trusting, and loving relationships. Her research documented these benefits. Babies gain weight faster. They have longer periods of quiet sleep. They have an experienced neurological growth and development that is enhanced. Their temperature remains more stable. Higher levels of blood oxygen, immune system is strengthened. Higher scores of motor and mental development tests that are performed. Infants cry less. They're more relaxed and they smile more. Anxious Anxious parents become more confident, more um, looking for more opportunity for bonding and attachment because babies look and they need the touch. And therefore, they are discharged from the intensive care unit a lot sooner because people spend time to touch. So what does old brother Webster have to say about touch? It says it's the special sense by which pressure exerted on the skin is perceived. It's all about touch. By far the most important effects of touch are not in its physical sensation, but its emotional ones. That's why we work the word in our language. No one can touch his work. He's the best carpenter I've ever seen. No one can touch his work. There are the, these problems, they touch us all. Here's some other ones. She has a touch of jealousy. <laughs> I, here's what you, you said and I said, my, my kids say, I didn't touch him. <laughs> How many parents have heard that? Many, many times. I didn't touch him. I didn't touch her. Her remarks touched off a controversy. Reach out and touch someone. I know it's an old thing. Anybody remember the yellow pages? You used to have somebody, they ride in a car and they throw a bag and they'd hit your door and, and it used to have a slogan, reach out and touch someone. 
Oh, I remember standing at a payphone digging for 35 cents when my pager blew up. <laughs> and I couldn't find the number to find who I wanted. And you grab that. Oh, man, I'm, I know I'm old. Now, you grab that phone book that was attached to the payphone and you're trying to hold it. It's like holding the whole, whole Encyclopedia Britannica. Anybody remember the guy always tried to sell you those? I remember that as a kid. And you're trying to flip through. And I remember the very first pages, that blue hardcover fell open. Yellow pages, reach out and touch someone. We would hear this and say this at times. They have just the right touch. Or he's never lost his touch. Or man, that song really touches me. Because the word touch and the meaning of touch and the sensation of touch is not just physical, but it's mental and it's emotional as well. But isn't it sad that when one of the most common phrases that we say to our children is what? Don't touch. I'm not saying it's not necessary sometimes. I'm just saying that if you really think about it, we spend, uh, oh, I, I thought about this yesterday. We spend two to three years, well, birth to three years telling our kids, come on, talk, say mama, say dada. And then we spend 15 plus years saying, would you stop talking? It's the same concept. We, we experience life by touch, but yet we tell our kids, don't touch that. Don't touch that. Don't touch. So that would seem to summarize our human existence. Genesis 3 and 3. But of the fruit of the tree, which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, you shall not eat of it, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. God was saying, don't touch it. Exodus 19 and 12. And thou shalt set bounds unto the people round about, saying, Take heed to yourselves that ye go not up into the mount, or touch the border of it. Whosoever toucheth the mount shall surely be put to death. Don't touch it. Leviticus 5 and 2. Or if a soul touch any unclean thing, whether it be a carcass of an unclean beast or a carcass of an unclean cattle or the carcass of unclean creeping things, or if he be hidden from him, he shall also, he also shall be unclean and guilty. Don't touch it. There are many, many commandments in the book of Leviticus that tell us not to touch. Leviticus 13 and 45. And the leper in whom the plague is, his clothes shall be rent, his head bare, and he shall put a covering upon his upper lip and shall cry, unclean, unclean. All the days wherein the plague shall be in him, he shall be defiled. He is unclean. He shall dwell alone without the camp shall his habitation be. Don't touch him. He's got a disease that's incurable. If he has all these things, he's to tear off his clothes and to be apart from everybody else. Don't touch him. Don't touch anything he's touched. If that, if that's true in our sense today, we have to be very careful not to touch what God has said don't touch. So don't touch is not always bad. Sometimes it's there to protect us the same way with our children. We tell them don't touch the stove because we as, as adults have wisdom enough to know that if the stove is on and the child is near it and they touch it, the, the ramifications of that are they're going to get burned. So don't touch isn't always bad, but yet it is sometimes good that we keep ourselves away from things that would keep us from the kingdom of God. Leviticus 15 and 19. And if a woman have an issue and her issue is in her flesh be blood, she shall be put apart seven days and whosoever toucheth her shall be unclean until the even. In other words, don't touch her. Don't mess with her. She is unclean. The don't touch commandments are necessary for our children because they can hurt themselves or damage things. And God's don't touch commandments are, were necessary for the very same reason. In fact, if, think about this. If Adam and Eve had just listened to one command, sin would have never entered into the world. If Adam and Eve would have just listened to what God said, said, don't eat of it, don't touch it. If they just would have stayed away from the thing that God said, don't touch, sin would not have entered into the world. But God, 
got tired of the distance between him and his creation, the laws, the boundaries, the sacrifices, the commandments, the constant ceremonies, the priesthood, the temple veils, the endless shed blood, all said, you can't touch God or you will die. That's what the tabernacle was. When you stepped into the tabernacle in the Old Testament, you met the altar of sacrifice. And we understand the type and shadow. The altar of sacrifice was a place where you gave your, your, your sacrifice to the priest. And the priest would, would kill that sacrifice upon that place. And he would take the blood. He would go to the laver of water and he would wash himself of that blood of that sin. Then he would go into the place of worship where the candlestick was and the showbread. And then he would take that sacrifice sacrifice beyond the veil and if he wasn't clean the bible says that god would kill him they used to wear uh around the priest robe they would wear what we call bells but uh they used to be empty pomegranates and they would jingle and they would ring and if they were they would have a rope around the waist of the priest and as he would enter into the holies of holies if they didn't hear the the proverbial bells ringing they knew that God had killed the priest because his life was not living up to par so everything of the tabernacle was you can't get to God because of your sin if you try to enter into the presence of God, you try to touch God's presence, God's spirit, you will die. That's what the Old Testament said. Job, Job in Job 23 and 3, Job in all of his troubles, he knew if I could only find God, I would go to his throne room and I would just talk to him. Here's what he said in 23 and 3. Oh, that I knew where I might find him that I might come even to his seat. Job said, in the midst of all my troubles, if I could just find God, I, I would try to touch him. I would try to communicate with him. But the Old Testament said, you can't come to God. There are restrictions because disobedience created a barrier between God and humanity. The tabernacle said one man can come to God. His life has to be right. But for everyone else, it was don't touch. That's the signature verse of the Old Testament. I can't find God. I don't know where he is. I can't talk to him. I can't reach out and I can't touch him. Job said, I looked on my left and he wasn't there. I looked on my right and he wasn't there. I looked behind me. I looked in front of me. I could not find God. If I could find him, I know everything would be all right. I'm glad we live in an era of grace and mercy where at any given moment you can call on the name of Jesus. You can lift your voice and at the mention of his name, you can feel his presence. At the mention of his name, all your trouble can vanish. May not in the physical, but in your spirit, you can feel the peace that passes all understanding because you have an advocate. So God did something about it. Galatians 4, 3 through 5. <laughs> It says, even so we, when we were children, were in bondage under the elements of the world. But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son made of a woman, made under the law to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. If we still loved, lived under the law, none of us would really have a chance because the law stated an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. The law was this is what it is and you have to abide by it or you will die. So God looked at all of humanity. He saw you and I thousands of years down the road as he is omnipresent. And he said, I've got to do something about this because the law, the Bible says, the law brings bondage, but the spirit gives life. If we live by the law, we're in nothing but bondage, but it is the spirit that gives us life. That's why we come to church and we clap our hands together and we worship together and we come to the altar together because as we try to engage the spirit of God and touch, we say it so many times, if I could just but touch and we say it from the pulpit with the microphone, the spirit of the Lord is moving in this house. If you will reach out and what? Touch him. I remember when I first got in church, I heard that and I started looking around like, what is, is something going to swoop by? Because I didn't, I had no idea. 
I was looking for something to fall out of the sky or something to come down and people are just going to start reaching up and touching. Because I did not know. Because we use the word touch in a sense that, that it is always physical, but it is not. Jesus said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I'll be there to the utter ends of the earth. And I, I know that this probably isn't a, uh, I probably should have went with probably more of a themed Bible study on a Wednesday, but I just felt in the Holy Ghost that on this Christmas season, it's not all uh, presents and it's not. I, re- I remember I've been married. It'll be 19 years in April, and I'm thankful for that. But when I first got married, it was hard for me. Christmases were hard for me. I, they're still kind of hard. I don't like to receive gifts. I mean, if you want to give me one, I'll take it now. But, but, but it's hard for me to receive gifts because as a, as a young person, I went so many years without them. And so it took a long time of the healing process to understand that, that Christmas is about family and being together. But it's really about Jesus Christ who came in a manger, who robed himself in flesh. He didn't have to do that. But God said, I don't want people at arm's length anymore. I want everybody to come. When he said on the cross, it is finished and the veil was torn from top to bottom. Everybody gained access to his presence. So for years, it was a struggle for me. Christmas time, I, it was awkward. I would sit there and my wife would look at me. You know how your spouse does. They give you that look like, what's wrong? And I'm like, nothing, I'm fine. As a man, you know, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm good, I'm good. And they give me a gift and I'd sit there for 10 or 15 minutes waiting to open it because it just did not feel right. You know, it was family, it was my in-laws. Yes, I know, people say in-loves now or love-in-laws. I don't know what they say in the millennial generation. I'm, <laughs> I, they're my in-laws. And I would sit there and they loved me, but it was hard for me to accept that because this season didn't mean to me what it meant to them because of life and hardships and everybody's been dealt different hands. But I've learned that if I can get in the family, if I can get close to people that love me, and if I can get close to God who loves me, it doesn't matter what happened in the past. It doesn't matter what you're going through now. I feel the Holy Ghost tonight, and I'm trying to just stay calm. I was asked, do you want a chair? I said, no, because I get too excited. But I understand that the greatest touch of all is not the feeling of a ribbon on a, on a box with a, with a shirt in it or socks or, or, or undershirts or whatever it may be. It's not the newest iPhone touching it. It's not the, the newest AirPods. Or it's not, not the new car. The greatest thing that you will ever touch is touching the altar and touching the throne room of God and finding a place where it's just you and God and everything else fades away in your life. The financials fade away. The marriage struggles fade away. The family struggles fade away. And you get to a place where you understand God wants me to touch him. And not only does God want me to touch him, but God wants to touch me. The enemy wants to lie to each and every one of us and tell you you're alone, you're destitute, nobody loves you. Look, nobody shook your hand on Sunday. You think that is the lie from the enemy because if the enemy can get you to stop touching. Mm. I, I know he's not here so I can talk about him. I don't see him here. Brother Shiloh. Uh, I always go to shake his hand. I'm like, hey, Brother Shallows. Oh, no, no. We're brothers. We hug. That big burly man grabs me and I'm like, <laughs> is that really a hug if you squeeze my eyes turn blue? <laughs> but the enemy wants the church to lose the sense of touch. He wants us to lose sensitivity. Hear me now. Because we can get so, uh, I think the word I'm looking for is inundated with here. We can get blinders on that we come in, we worship, we do what we do. We sit in our same seat and we leave. We go to MCL. <laughs> we go to Real Hacienda. I still think I should get sponsorships for naming all these food places. <laughs> I mentioned food. Somebody said, are you going to talk about food? I said, probably so. 
But we come in and we get these blinders on and the enemy wants us just to walk in, get what we need. They want us, we always say, look up. The Bible says, look up for your redemption draweth nigh. And if I can stay right here, then nobody's going to ask me questions. My brother and my sister is not going to be feeling after where I am. But you need somebody in your life not to be nosy, not to be a busybody, but to come into your life and go, are you okay? To, to walk up beside you and to put your, put their arm around you and to say, hey, it's alright, you're gonna make it. Everything's gonna be alright because God is for you and not only is God for you, but I'm for you. I'm praying for you. We got to have touch in the 21st century church. We got to do it. You say, well, that's not my personality. Well, make it your personality. I'm not saying you have to just hug everybody you see. Shake a hand. Fist bump them. Elbow them. Just don't headbutt them. Then we'll have to have healing lines. So all of the Old Testament was don't touch. Don't touch. You can't touch the presence of God until Jesus came. Jesus came. Matthew 8 and 15. Jesus touched her hand and the fever left her. Matthew 17 and 7. Jesus touched them and said, arise and be not afraid. Luke 22 and 51, Jesus touched his ear and healed him. Matthew 20 and 34, Jesus had compassion on them and touched their eyes and immediately they received their sight. Can I say this? It's not enough to have compassion or to feel sorry for somebody and not do anything about it. If something moves you, you know, there's times that people, I see them everywhere I travel with my job. I see people um, panhandling and, and, or asking for, or, for uh, a handout or this. And there's times that my flesh wants to go, man, this guy's probably making more money a day than I do. But compassion hits me. And I, I could just walk by and go, God bless him in Jesus' name. But I don't carry a lot of cash, but when I do, I reach in and I, I, I just give them a dollar. You say, oh, you're supporting their habit. No, I'm having compassion and I'm, I want to touch somebody's life by any means necessary. Because there are some people that, there was a story of a man that would sit on his porch and his wife, he was an elderly man and his wife had passed away. He was very lonely, married for over 50 years and as he was sitting on his porch one day, he thought, I'm tired of life. I'm tired of being alone. My kids don't come see me anymore. My, my closest neighbor is miles away. No one waves. No one does anything. And he says this prayer as he's sitting on his porch. He says, Lord, if the next car that rides by waves at me, I'll know that there's still a God and I'll continue living on. Sure, he sat there as he lived in the country and the dirt road. He was looking and he could see the dirt rising in the distance and a car came by and it was going at pretty good speed until it got right in front of his house. And as it got in front of his house, he just sat there as our minds typically do. And he thought, nah, they're not going to wave. They're just being nosy. There's a house out here in the middle of nowhere. Old broken down house needs painting. There's fencing that's torn down, a barn that's about to collapse. And all of a sudden... From the passenger side, the window goes down and this little hand sticks out and waves at him like this right here. And it was in that moment that the man knew that there was hope because someone took time to wave at him and say, hey, it's going to be all right. Jesus looked in Luke 7 and 14, the Bible says, he came and he touched the coffin and he said, young man, I say unto thee, arise. Mark 10 and 13, they brought young children to him that he, that he should touch them. Mark 3 and 10, Jesus healed many in so much that they pressed upon him for to touch him. Now think about that. The fame got out that the Jesus Christ, God manifested in flesh, was touching so many people that word got out that if they could just get close to him and touch him, they knew. I wonder what would happen if the church would come together and say if we as a body can touch the throne room of God every single service and word got out that miracles, signs, and wonders were happening right here at New Life Fellowship. People would break in the doors to say I've got to get to a place where I can touch him. 
Luke 6 and 19, the whole multitude sought to touch Jesus for there went virtue out of him and healed them all. Mark says in 6 and 56, and whithersoever Jesus entered into villages or cities or country, they laid the sick in the streets and besought him that they might touch if it were but of the border of his garments. As many as touched him were made whole. Many as touched him were made whole. If Jesus were just a prophet, this wouldn't have been any big deal. But do you see what's happening here? God was touching people and people could touch God. The whole dynamic of creation and the creator changed. God said... I don't want to keep people at bay. I want people to have access to me, access to my power, access to my presence, access to my healing, access to my my anointing. And so Jesus Christ came into the world the way nobody thought he would. And he began to do things that nobody thought that he should do or would do. He touched lepers. He touched a woman with an issue of blood. Rather, she touched him. Imagine that. The fame goes out and the people are thronging Jesus. We know the story. The crowd is around him and this lady who nobody wanted to touch because everybody in that day was still living under the law that they could not touch her. They avoided her because she had an issue of blood for 12 years. She tried doctors. She tried. The Bible says she spent everything she had. But when she found out that Jesus was touching people, She did everything in her power that Jesus is touching people. I'm going to touch Jesus. I can imagine in my mind's eye, she's on her hands and knees on the rocky road there in Israel. And she's crawling and people are stepping on her, not even knowing that she's there. Because had they known, they would have ran because she had an issue and she was unclean. And she reaches up and says, Jesus, that has been touching people. I'm just going to touch the hem of his garment. She touched his garment and Jesus stopped immediately and said, who touched me? The apostle says, "Uh, Lord, uh, there's lots of people around you. What do you mean who's touching you? He says, no, 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 no. Somebody's touched me to the point that virtue has left me. I wonder if we could get to a place in our walk with God that when we pray, that when we seek God, that we're not just asking God for things, but we want to touch Him for who He is. We want to touch Him to such a point that something flows out of God into us, that we get up from that prayer room, we get up from that couch, we get up from that place where we are confined with just us and God, and we find that place and we leave a different way because the power of the touch of God has came upon us. Mm. Isaiah says in 35, 4 through 6, say to them that are of a fearful heart, be strong, fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance, even God with a recompense. He will come and he will save you. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened and the ears of the deaf shall be unstopped. And then the lame man leap as a heart and the tongue of the dumb sing. For in the wilderness shall waters break out and streams in the desert. What Isaiah was saying is what you're worried about, what you're fearful about, don't be fearful anymore because there's a God on your side. He's going to come with a vengeance and even with a recompense. He's going to come and he's going to save you. Why would God come out of all the billions of people in the world come and be concerned about me? Because he came to touch me. See what God's more concerned about if you look at this scripture, God's more concerned about my salvation than my miracle. God's more concerned about my soul than he is me getting a blessing. The Bible tells us here that if we will pray and not be fearful, we will be strong and fear not that God's going to come and he's going to save us. And when we get our soul right, then the miracles come. Uh, I wonder if if we are, you know, uh, I heard somebody testify one time. It was a sectional youth rally. And a man, a pastor stood up and said, I thank God for saving me from myself. Because I am my worst enemy. 
I am. I'm my, I'm my biggest critic. I'm my worst enemy. But I thank God if I can, if God's spirit can deliver me from me and I can get more Jesus in me, I believe that the deaf ears will be unstopped. That dumb tongues will sing that the dry desert waters will begin to flow i believe that revival will happen when we get ourselves where we need to be in alignment with the cross that's why it's a big deal that jesus healed the sick job 9 and 8 which along spreadeth out the heavens and treadeth upon the waves of the sea huh That's why it's a big deal when Jesus walked on water. Because he said, he's going to spread out the heavens and he's going to tread upon the sea. I thank God that I have a God. That when the, the, we used to sing, uh, I I don't, it's a, I I love old songs. I love them. I, I love, you know, good old gospel ship. Anybody know that? I love that. I love, uh, Page 311, if we'll turn to page 311, I'll fly away. If we'll turn to page 2, oh, I want to see him. <laughs> and I thought for, I didn't hear this until I moved to Indiana. It was Easter and my wife was singing and playing at Easter. And her aunt was singing and she, there was a song and it says, And he walks with me and he talks. I was like, who is Andy. That's a, that's a terrible joke, isn't it? I was like, why are we singing about Andy on Easter? <laughs> There's old songs. The storms are raging. I'm a drummer, so I only know portions of songs. I don't know all the rest. I just know portions of songs. But when the storms are raging in our life, all it takes is a touch. There's nothing, nothing, no, no thing, no greater thing than coming to church with stressed out from life and stressed out from job and family situations. And you get in the presence of the Lord and brother Zach hits the keyboard and the drums and the guitar strum and our, our worship team begins to sing and you lift your hands to the Lord and you forget about everything else and the spirit of God comes down and you're not worried about the bills. You're not worried about the, the home. You're not worried about anything else except I need him. I need him. <laughs> Ezekiel 37 and 13 says, And ye shall know that I am the Lord when I have opened your graves, O my people, and have brought you up out of your graves. That's why it was a big deal when Jesus called Lazarus out of the grave. Because what was in the Old Testament that they could not touch, Jesus fulfilled it in the New Testament and said, I'm going to touch it and you're going to witness it and you can touch me because of it. See, when they put Lazarus in the tomb, we know the story. They put him in the tomb and according to custom, they wrapped his body in grave clothes. So he came out with his head wrapped up. His hands are tied. His feet are tied. Mary and Martha, oh Jesus, where were you? If, if you'd been here a couple days earlier, this wouldn't have happened. Jesus said, I, I am the resurrection. He said, yeah, we know, Lord, in the last day, he's going to resurrect with all of us. We know that. He said, no, I am the resurrection. And Jesus did what Jesus did. He touched him with his voice, with his word. Lazarus, come forth. He told the people to remove the stone, the very thing that we put in front of our lives. God's not always going to remove what we put in our lives to block the miracle. The stone was there. He said, remove the stone. Jesus said, I'm not touching that stone. I didn't put the blockade in front of this. I didn't tell you he was going to die. Your lack of faith put him in a tomb. But this is for the glory of God. Remove the stone. Lazarus, come forth. Now imagine, he stinketh by now. Here comes Lazarus. Mouth is taped up. Heads in grave clothes. His hands, he's hopping out of the grave. You would think that everybody's, whoa, Jesus did it. Look, he touched Lazarus. He's come out. But what happened next is profound. The people put a, a blockade in front of the grave. And then Jesus tells them, Loose him and let him go. Jesus said, I've touched him. I brought that which is dead back to life. But you have to be willing to take off the grave clothes and let live what I said let live. 
That's why your promise, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. That's why your promise that you have put in a tomb, remove it. Remove the doubt. Remove the fear. Remove that thing that is keeping you from believing it. And when God said it's going to come alive, God has already promised you. And the word says the promises of God are yea and amen. If God promised it, it's going to happen. It's time to take the grave clothes off and let the voice of God touch your situation. Somebody say amen. Amen. So have you ever, we've all heard of leprosy. It was the proverbial AIDS epidemic of Jesus' day. It was contagious. It was feared. It was fatal. It carried a moral, a moral stigma. The worst damage done by leprosy was that victims completely lost their sense of touch. But the worst penalty of leprosy was that victims could never be touched again by anyone. Other diseases could be healed, but leprosy had to be cleansed. See, sometimes we get spiritual leprosy. Leprosy is the disease that starts at the center of your body and it works out. In other words, it starts in the center, in the heart, and it works out to the extremities, your fingers, your ears, your toes, your nose. That's why when you look at pictures of people with leprosy, they're missing their appendages. They're missing ears and missing noses because it affects the ability to touch. Our greatest, our greatest fear has to be that we do not get spiritual leprosy, that we think we're okay, but we can't feel him. We come to church and we look the part, but we can't feel him. We don't touch him because we've lost that sensory, that ability to do so. If we've lose that sense, we got to get back to a place that says, God, what do I have to do? What is, what is in my way? I do that. I think it was Brother Shock was teaching. He stands in the mirror and says, today it's, it's not your day. You're not going to have victory over me. There's times I stand in the mirror and go, what is standing in your way? What's wrong with you? <laughs> I don't ask my wife that. What's wrong with me? <laughs> she would say, well, you're good looking. You're smart. I mean, all these attributes are, well, they're just, oh, I know it's tough being me. <laughs> so the 10 leopards, as we know the story, the 10 leopards came, they see Jesus, they fall down, they worship him. Oh, master. They all go away. They're cleansed. The one comes back and he says, Lord, I thank you that you have, that you cleansed me. And because he came back and worshiped, Jesus said, go thy way and be made whole. In other words, because he realized that he no longer had the leprosy. He was still missing his fingers. He was still missing his, missing his ears. He didn't have it. Let me say it this way. Because he'd been cleansed, he didn't have it all together still. It was at the moment that he came back to Jesus and said, Lord, I feel a difference in my heart. I know I don't have it all together, but I thank you for doing it. It was at that moment that he thanked God. He knew that in his shortcomings, what he had been dealt, he was missing some stuff in his life. But worship caused God to restore everything he lost. That word in Greek is sozo. It means to restore, to bring back to its natural state. So if he was missing a finger, he got his finger back. If his ear was gone, his ear came back. Can I tell you, you're one moment away from touching God, from God restoring everything that you've lost. The religious leaders of Jesus' day had adopted a strategy of isolation. They disdained lepers, Gentiles, women, tax collectors, a host of others they decreed unworthy of their touch or God's touch. But Jesus was the most approachable human being that has ever walked this earth. The law said don't touch, but Jesus touched anyway. Even while lepers were still unclean, still isolated, still ostracized, still ignored, still rejected, still shunned, still feared, still cast away, Jesus reached out and touched them. Matthew 8 and 3, And Jesus put forth his hand 
and touched him saying, I will be thou clean. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. Luke 5, 13, and he put forth his hand and touched him saying, I will be thou clean. And immediately the leprosy departed from him. Mark 1 and 41, and Jesus moved with compassion, put forth his hand. There it is. Faith without works is what? We can't just talk about having revival. Talk about discipleship. Talk about our community. Talk about reaching out to those in our neighborhood. We have to have compassion and then we have to reach out. Because when you reach out as Jesus did in Mark and he put forth his hand and touched him saying, I will that be thou clean. Remember the woman with the issue of blood? I've already mentioned a little bit of that. She suffered for 12 years, tried everything, had grown worse. But her worst problem was not her issue. It was that she was shut out of God's presence, God's house. No one could touch her or they would also become unclean. The Greek words there mean in Luke 8 and 45 that the crowds thronged him. They choked out Jesus. They stifled. They suffocated him. He's in the middle of trying to help a distraught father, Jairus, whose daughter is about to die. And no one in the crowd wants to touch them. That's why she sneaks up from behind. Luke 8 and 44 states she came from behind and she touched him. She was so determined to touch Jesus that she broke the law to do it. She knew she couldn't touch anybody. She knew she couldn't be there. She knew she couldn't get to that point where she wasn't supposed to touch him because she, according to the law, was unclean. She didn't ask for it. It was just what was dealt to her. But she decided, I'm not going to let the law dictate. I'm not going to do it. I'm gonna, Jesus is touching people. I'm going to reach out and I'm going to touch him. The crowd pushed close to Jesus involuntarily, but this woman got close to him voluntarily. That's what made the difference. She chose in her mind that she was going to touch Jesus. She made a declaration, a decree of thought that says no matter what anybody else says, no matter what anybody else does, they're doing their own thing. They're trying to stifle and choke out the Lord by surrounding him. But I need a miracle and I'm going to touch him. Matthew 9, 21 says it this way. For she said within herself, if I may touch his garments, I shall be whole. And then look what happened as a result of one person touching Jesus. Look at this. <clears throat> Matthew 14, 35 through 36. Here's what it says. And when the men of that place had knowledge of him, they sent out into all the country round about and brought unto him all that were diseased and besought him that they might only touch the hem of his garment. <laughs> they thought the power is just in the bottom, just in the hem, just in the thread. And it says as many as touched were made perfectly whole. That's why the writer of Hebrews says, for we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities. But when all points was tempted like as we are yet without sin. I'll be honest, I was a little apprehensive on teaching this tonight. Just due to the season we're in and, 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 and so forth. But I believe I'm in the, in the will of God and I'm in the Holy Ghost tonight. And I believe that there are things that are in this room. There are situations and there are circumstances. And I understand that this is a, a Bible study and we're not, it's Wednesday night and we got the cliche, we're not supposed to be spiritual. <laughs> you know, most people treat Wednesday night, oh, I come, I'm here. Thank you, Jesus. But not here. I believe God wants to touch somebody in this house tonight. feel it in my spirit. God's been dealing with me all day to give somebody this word that if you could just find a touch, it may just be a single thread. Some of you may just have this strength left in your spirit to just reach out and barely touch him, but it doesn't matter the size of the touch. It could be a brother Shiloh Ralston hug touch where it just squeezes you 
Or it could just be a brush by. But as long as you can touch him, you're going to walk out of this place and God's going to do great and extraordinary things in your life. I want us to stand right now. And I'm closing. We're going to take a few moments, a little bit of time. Because what good is it to talk about touching Jesus and not actually do it? (laughs) That was a great Bible study, Brother Barber. You're right. We need to touch him. Can we go home? Oh, no, no, no. I wasn't asking for an applause. I was being sarcastic. (laughs) The spirit of sarcasm swept over me. Lord, I'm sorry. (laughs) But what good is it to talk about healings and God able to touch you and to, to minister to you and to heal you and let's not actually... The Bible says that I believe Paul told Timothy to stir up the gift that is within you. The healer of all healers, if you have the Holy Ghost, it's inside of you. The miracle lives inside of you. The promise lives inside of you. But it's so much easier to go and say, hey, bro, can I talk to you for a second? I'm really struggling. And it's okay to talk to one another. I think we should. The body, God created the body to heal itself, among itself. To replenish blood. You cut yourself. It's hopefully going to coagulate and stop bleeding. And then, I don't mean to be gross, but a scab's going to form. And if you don't pick at it, oh, there it is right there. I could preach that. If we don't pick at the failures and the faults and the shortcomings of each other, and we allow the body to heal, it will heal itself. We need one another. We need the touch of one another. We need a hug. We need an embrace. We need to be prayed for. None of us have arrived to the point where we say, oh, I don't need to go to the altar and get prayed for. I'm okay. I got it under control. When you say you have it under control, that's when you don't have it under control. When you say I've got it all together, you don't have it all together. Because in Him I live. In Him I move. And in Him I have my very being. Without Him, I cannot make it. It's not by might and nor by power, but by my... It's by the Spirit of God that is residing, that is taking residence. You opened up your life when you came to an altar and you said, God, I'm sorry for all of my sins. And maybe before I say God gave me, gave you the Holy Ghost on credit. God gave me the Holy Ghost on credit. I got the Holy Ghost before I ever got baptized. God just knew I was going to do it. He's like, yeah, he's a good guy. I'm just going to give it to him. <laughs> God gave gave you the Holy Ghost and you got baptized. You became a resident of the Spirit of God. And because we believe what the Word says, that there is death and life in the power of tongue, if I don't put wood onto the fire of my situation, what's going to happen? My situation is going to die out because I'm going to focus my faith on Him. I don't know what you have need of right now. Who, who in here will be honest and say I have a physical need right now? Would you raise your hand? Look around you. Somebody that doesn't have your hand raised. And we're going to step out and we're going to make this place a prayer room for just, just five or six minutes. Is that okay? Keep your hands raised. If you have a physical need right now, you need a touch in your body right now. The Holy Ghost is here. I want you to step out with the ones that are hands are raised right now. And I want you to touch that person. I want you to bind together with that person right now. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, by the authority of the Word of God and the power of the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, Lord. Touch these that would have their hands raised. Lord, as the body is touching one another, let the spirit of faith move upon this house. Heal the body. Heal the sick. Touch from the top of the head to the sole of the feet. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. By the authority of the word of God. Let the Holy Ghost move in this house right now. Touch every cell of the body. Touch cancer in Jesus name. Touch knees in Jesus name. Touch the back in the name of Jesus. Touch headaches Lord you can heal from the greatest to the least of issues Lord let your spirit touch the body right now in the name of Jesus hallelujah 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 come on that's it I feel the Holy Ghost in this house
Come on, the Lord's moving in this place right now. He's doing it. Let your faith rise. Stir up the gift of faith right now. In the name of Jesus, we need your touch in this place, Lord. We need you to move. We need you to do it, Lord. We need you to heal. We believe you, God. We're doing our part, Lord. We're removing every obstacle. We're removing every barrier, Lord. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. <laughs> now we're going to, I want us to pray for our finances. I remember when, when I pastored with my father-in-law, I was teaching. It was a Thursday night and I was teaching and Spirit of God began to move such as it is here. And the Lord spoke to me about a sister that I didn't know the situation is not, it was not conveyed to me. And I told her, I said, bring me your wallet. <laughs> That's kind of a real weird request, you know, from the pulpit. Hey, can I have your wallet? What I didn't know is that she was in extreme financial situation, but God knew. And I grabbed her wallet and said, oh, that's it's just a wallet. Yeah, but it's faith operating. And I grabbed her wallet. Her name was Sister Perry. I said, Sister Perry, I don't know your situation. Don't want to know. It's none of my business. But I know God knows. And God told me he wants to touch it right now. So I grabbed the anointing oil and I touched her wallet. And we all prayed together. And in two days, a miracle came forth financially for her. And it took care of all this, everything that she was stressed about. I know that there's probably financial needs in here. I know that there are needs that need to be met financially. I'm not going to ask for your wallet. You know where it is. (laughs) But I believe that we're going to pray for finances right now. We're going to pray for an abundance to come. You have sacrificed. You have given. Ah, Feel the Holy Ghost. You've given of your time, your talent, your finances. Because it's for the sake not only of the sanctuary, but for the sake of the kingdom of God. And you've been waiting on a miracle. You've been waiting on God to open up the window of heaven. I believe that that window of heaven is somebody that God's going to put into your life. And God's going to plant something from somebody into your life. And they're going to bless you. They're going to do it in a great way. And you're going to say, it's only God. If you have that need right now, and I'm going to say most hands are going to go up. I want you to throw both your hands in the air right now. And we're going to believe God. Lord, by the power of the name of Jesus. Every hand that is raised, you see the sacrifice of your people. You see the faith of your people. Lord God, we're touching you now with our words of faith, with our voice, oh God, with our spirits, Lord. We're touching you, God, in your throne room. We're asking you now to touch every bank account, touch every wallet, touch every billfold, touch every financial situation. We're believing you for a mighty miracle in the name of Jesus Christ, in the name of the Lord, we release faith. We release the blessings of God to your people in a financial way for the sake of the kingdom of God, for the sake of the sanctuary, for the sake of our city, God, for the sake of our families. Do it, Lord. Do what only you can do in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. If you believe it, clap your hands right now unto the Lord. Before we dismiss, we're going to pray one last prayer. And it's a prayer of determination that every time we come into this house, we're going to touch God. It's a spirit of determination that says, if nobody else worships, I'm going to worship. If nobody else says amen when the when pastor's preaching or whoever may be speaking is speaking, I'm going to say amen. Not for recognition, but because I want to touch God. Look at the woman with an issue because she made a decision. I'm going to touch him regardless of what anybody else says. When she made that determination, word spread and people came from every region because they heard there was a man from Galilee. Huh? I believe that when we come in the house of God with a spirit of determination that I'm going to touch God by any means necessary that they we don't have enough chairs to hold the revival that God is going to pull into New Life Fellowship. Yes. Huh? 
Now lift your hands and your voice in a loud way and believe God, Lord, I pray for a spirit of determination. I pray for a spirit of determination to fall upon us that as we come on this, this, this camp this this place oh god this campus lord that we enter your gates with thanksgiving and into your courts with praise for it is not an option it is a command and lord we come with the intent and the sole purpose that we're going to touch you we're going to touch you with our hands we're going to clap unto the lord we're going to touch you with our voice as we sing unto the lord we're going to touch you lord as a body because we want a mighty move of your spirit In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. If you're going to do that according to the word of God, just give him some praise right now. I thank you, Jesus. Everybody say amen.